Well, it's the dynamic duo, we'll be back again. Nothing back with DJ, you better pack it in. You're lacking sense, trying to tangle with us. Scoop of a big black booty's in the back of the bus to smack you. You're stealing your lunch, money to search. You're ready to feel like just a touch. Only by the end of the day, that's understandable. What can I say? You got strong man to be. Mind, mind, Straight off the bat, I was not having to spend 40 minutes trying to... Don't worry, I am touching the biggest bit of wood I can find. It's not that kind of podcast. <laughs> hey, yo. Uh, I'm sure there's those types of podcasts out there. I, I would have thought. Do they the, have the longevity of the balls podcast, though? I would have thought the existence of like Pornhub would make it. You know, who listens to a podcast to get off? I mean, presumably there is a, a dirty stories. Oh, there, fucking, there would be. I mean, rule thirty four. If if it exists, there's porn of it. Or, or even like documentary style narrative podcasts of making of great porn movies. You know, like surely uh, public radio in America is. A- My dad wrote a porno. Is is a one of the leading podcasts in the universe? Yeah, apparently. that's right. Good. Unlike ours. I was thinking today about unintended consequences of rule changes, right? Yeah. Because looking at the middle of the West and even- um, The Midwest, even. Even sort of the 2-3 the t- the spot in the East, like this would be the, the, the time of year where, you know, they'd be resting Donkic every second game just to make sure that he was fresh for the finals and- you know, you'd be playing around with stuff and you'd lose random games. And it's like, well, there's a very strong chance anyone from the dubs down could end up in the playing game if they have a bit of a bad run. And it could actually be the dubs, considering that they've got no bodies left. Not in the West and not with the amount of games left. I mean, there's still five and a half games between Golden State and and your Minnesota Timberwolves. They're not going to end up in the playing. They're fine. In fact, in fact, one, two, and three in the West are going to finish where they are right now because they're just they are a comfortable gap of games apart from each other, and there just aren't enough games left to lose. Now, Utah and yeah. Dallas are both on exactly the same record in four and five, and play each other this week. And then there's a little step down to Denver and Minnesota, who are half a game apart either side of six and seven. Of course, that's that dividing line between getting in automatically and and, and having to defend yourself. And everyone was sort of complaining about it. It's not fair for Minnesota. I'm like, well, you know, <laughs> win half a game more and you won't have to worry about it. Mm. Um, God, the, well, the bottom, the bottom the, of that the, West is horrible. I mean, the, New Orleans and the Lakers yeah. are 28 and a half games off fucking Phoenix. The equivalent yeah. the equivalent teams in, in the East are 10 games off. It's horrific. Phoenix had back-to-back games this week where... You like you'd be forgiven that they're so far ahead that they could rock up to a back uh, a back to back or a game against the the Timberwolves and the Timberwolves would just be that little bit hungrier and a little bit more to prove. And it's like yeah, because I was I was watching bits of that game and you know the Suns were always sort of within touching distance and then did that Dubs thing of like oh, okay yeah no we're gonna win this game. Now, now. the Dubs <laughs> thing is to go five and five and play like shit. 
Um, was that yeah. was that Chris Paul's return game, or was that was that the? No, today was Chris Paul's return today game. Was Chris Paul's. I heard he heard he was back to his to his best, and by his best I mean he was shouting at refs and flailing and and <laughs> and doing all the Chris Paul stuff that you, that you uh, that the world comes to expect. It's really. I'm, I was like, I've been trying to buy a Phoenix jersey, right? Because. Like when when will my side? You, know, be good you can get again? a Wellington Phoenix jersey, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, a white jersey's pretty good. So like a nice sort of sea blue. Um, and it's like if I bought a Chris Paul jersey, what what would I be more? Uh, you know what? What's the potential? What, what's more downfall? What's the potential no, end game? Oh no, no! It's like what's more problematic? Wearing a Chris Paul jersey, you know, for at least my team and I love, but I still sort of you know bagged Chris Paul. And the way he's played for years, or the Steve Nash Lakers jersey, which is a side I absolutely hate in a player that I love. Uh, I think I'd enjoy wearing the Chris Paul Phoenix Just one a lot more. Buy Steve Nash one in the current design. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, it's 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 super tight in that four to seven range. The Clips has fallen off a cliff a little bit. There seems like their pluckiness has only sort of gone so far, and they've had a bit yeah. of a. Paul George is um, – I mean, there's a lot of guys have been officially ruled out for the rest of the season this week. Um, Dame has been ruled out for the season and Wiseman. Ben Simmons looks like he's out for the season. You know, suddenly it turns out that he's got a herniated disc, which yeah. uh, Steve Nash at least can uh, can probably give him some advice about. Uh, but Paul George has not been ruled out for the season. I mean, he's apparently practicing and he could come back. I'm not sure whether you'd bother has because – I mean, there's yeah. still – Probably a good chance of of being the eight seed because they can probably beat either New Orleans or the Lakers. Although, weirdly enough, the Pelicans, even though they're they're below five hundred in their last ten, are thirty one and forty two, and you know we've said they're twenty eight and a half goes back from the number one seed. In the last fifteen games, according to Kurt Goldsbury's, um, you know that you know that last fifteen games efficiency landscape thing he does, they've got the number five net rating yeah, in the league. That they. They've been really good since the All-Star break. But and it hasn't actually translated into winning games because, as I say, they're 4-6 and six in their last 10. It's just not, you know, they're, they're playing well. They're just, I, I think what, what's happening is that they're um, they're losing close and they're winning big. And I think yeah. that, you know, it makes the rating look better than the actual result. But, you know, the, the, the actual performance should trend along with the net rating more than it does with the, with the past record. I think they started like two and ten or two oh, and twelve or something that that are terrible at the start of the well, season. Speaking of people who've been ruled out for the year, Zion Williamson, even though he was out here throwing oh, down really? tomahawk yams on the instas, I mean that would have they, looked, looked a little bit kind of sub twenty if it wasn't for the fact that it was actually filmed in the Pelicans gym. So at least it means he's come yeah. back from from Nike HQ. I thought there was still a chance. No, they've ruled him out for the rest of the no, year. He, no, he's done. Mm, okay, which is odd because you remember Griff saying, you know, at the start of the year he, he'll be back, he'll be back for the regular season. And everyone took that to mean he'll be back for the start of the regular season. Yeah. He won't be back for well, any of the regular. He'll, season. he'll be back for a regular season. Yes, he'll be back regularly during the season, twenty twenty two, twenty Now in the East, all that everyone wants to talk about is what did Jimmy Butler say to Spo to, to actually get Spo to react to something? I don't. I don't think it matters because I mean, this is the problem. You got Jimmy Butler and you got Heat culture, and these are two forces yeah. that are going to end up um, clashing with, with extreme violence. Um, and Miami have been bad for a while. They've been on a bit of a slide. Yeah. Um, I mean, they've lost their last three. They're they've been five hundred in their last ten, and 
Uh, although they've got the number one defense in the last sort of 15 games, their offense is, is you know, subpar. And that's, that's really their problem. They, they just, they just can't get enough points to win against certain teams. Butler's a bit of a funny player because he's sort of like he's got a reputation as this real hard ass player and this real warrior. But man, he misses a lot of games. Yeah, um, but remember he had those Tibbs years. Yeah, that's that's I guess that's he's the, got the old thing. bones. He's, yeah, um, and that and the the Heat culture seems to be quite happy to run players harder and have them miss games rather than sort of. James Harden their way around a court. Yeah. You know. They would not accept much, that. They will not yeah, accept Yeah, they'd much rather you kill yourself and have three games off than, than sort of just mope around and do whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and that's what he wanted. I mean, he, he was trying to get to Miami from Chicago. You know, yeah. he that was where he wanted to be. Cause, and, and I think this is a – I don't feel like this is a, like a permanent parting of the ways. I feel like this is the sort of – you know, this is a blow-up. That will clear itself out, and they're not. They didn't lose today because they're still salty with each other. They lost today because they didn't play well enough against the fucking Knicks. They got nothing off their bench, and they faded mm. in the last. You know, at the end of the thing, I think that I think they've had a, a rough little stretch, and it's been an awful time to have a rough little stretch because now they're literally half a game ahead of second and third, and one game ahead of, of fourth. Basically, the top four are all one game apart, um, and then. The next three for uh, Chicago, Cleveland, and Toronto are, are one game apart, and then the bottom, the, the sort of the bottom three in the ten, Brooklyn, Charlotte, Atlanta, are one and a half games apart. So you've got sort of three tiers in the East. Three and tiers. It's yeah. going to become really. No, no one's going to know what to do because the teams in the top four probably don't want to finish second. Don't want to face and the might next not want to finish first because of the prospect of, of facing. Uh, a fully armoured Brooklyn Death Star. Admittedly, one without Ben Simmons, but one now that Kyrie can play in every game now that the vaccine mandate's been lifted in, in New York. They don't know what to do because they don't know what's happening in the... I mean, Brooklyn can't get any higher than than eighth, but they could drop to the ninth or tenth, which would mean that they're not going to make the seventh seed. If, if they if they drop to ninth, they can't make the seventh seed. The best they can be is the eighth seed if they win the, win the, the second game of the play-in, which means they're a problem for the one seed. Not a problem for the two seed. We, you would say that all this stress to, to try and to try and avoid a five hundred team or a five twenty one team. Yeah, that, like you would think that the Raptors should be able to hand handle the Nets without Kyrie because Kyrie still can't play. It. No, he can't. He can't play in. Um, uh, he can't play in Canada. But like in a in a one in a one off game. Can but but you, no, that, but that game really might not be. Kevin Durant couldn't go go for that game. Might not be in Toronto. In fact, it probably won't be in Toronto because they got the same record as Cleveland. Oh, you think it might it might be Cleveland or it might even be in Chicago. True enough, because Chicago Chicago have been fading really yeah. badly. Um Goldsbury's uh efficiency landscape numbers have got I mean they they're, they're terrible. They're um in the last fifteen games they're five and ten and they're they're basically twenty seventh place net team in terms of twenty sixth best offense, twenty fifth best defense. They've been horrific. The wheels have absolutely mm. fallen off Chicago. Um but they did get one really important win this week, and that was against the Raptors. And that might—it's a little bit like a relegation six-pointer. If you beat somebody who's also in the relegation zone with you, yeah. the potential variance is six points. That was a really important game because it created just a, that one game more than they've won is a game they've won against um, Toronto. So it just creates a little bit of space against their direct competition. But on form, 
it feels much more likely that it will be Toronto, Cleveland, Chicago than than the, the way it is at the moment. And that means um, well, Kyrie can definitely play. The Cavs play the Bulls tomorrow, so that's one of those games. Yep. The Mavericks play the Jazz on Monday, so that's another one of those games. The Nets play the Hornets. Uh, well, there was another one. The, that I see, every game through. matters between now and, and the end of the season, which makes it even more irritating that the fucking amateur children's basketball is is all you see people <laughs> tweeting about. I had some, I had some, some I, sort of fuck like, with private schools made the final eight. Good on them. I had some realizations about that today, and about why they sort of set coaches up as these characters, and you know, pay them lots of money, and you know. Signing a coach is almost as as important as, uh, you know, recruiting any decent players um, and why those big schools sort of, you, you know, like they're trying to create the mythology because the, the coaches are the the people that stay, right? Yes. The coaches is the character that they can they're, build they're around the icons for. Of the, of the thing unless yeah. you have somebody who stays for four, four or five years. But also they've got ridiculous amounts of power because they're, they're – um, they you know, their players are not paid. They're completely, they're indentured slaves essentially, and they can't really do anything. And it was really interesting because um, Urban Meyer is a quite a successful college coach, but known to be a complete asshole. And he he was the appointed coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, pretty bad NFL team. And it was, uh, it was like comedically bad. It was a, like mm. a joke from the start to the end of his reign, which only lasted about. 11 or maybe 13 games. And he was he was the, almost the exact caricature of a college coach who thought he had all the power and could treat people like shit and, you know, just talk smack to their face and make them do, you know, extra drills and say, you know, well, if I cut you, you couldn't even get a job working 15 bucks an hour in a burger joint to somebody who's going to, you know, is probably you know, on a multi-million dollar contract. Uh, he's just so completely out of fucking touch. And it's interesting, that probably said more about the culture of college coaching that it did about the culture of NFL coaching. But, I mean, that, that's kind so, of what, how they end up in that circumstance. Uh, I read an article to get today about how, like, the top basketball players aren't necessarily going to all the top colleges anymore. And no. they're basically going to systems where they think they're going to be best prepared for the NBA, yep. not necessarily teams that will highlight them or will win an NCAA championship because they don't they know that that essentially doesn't really matter like it, you hear it again and again on on NBA podcasts the scouts go well you pretty much ignore the the March Madness because it's just such a random yeah collection and if you've got a shit coach that you know like the, the, what what the, the, March Madness is good for is brand building yeah but the college game is so seems so predicated on these these system coaches that like are like because I am the brand running shit from the eighteen forties yeah yeah you you have to play my brand because yeah. my brand is all that matters and it's like you know you look at um uh, a guy like um Ime Adoku at, at the Celtics or Willie Green at the um at the Pels and you just these guys that are just chameleon coaches that are just going to try and fit in. Like look at the pieces and assess their pieces and work out the best way to maximise all of those pieces, and that's just not how college coaches work. You know, it's well, how can how can I how can I PR my my college and my coaching resume to the best effect? It's it's just yeah. Uh, like as someone that's very pro coaches, I I just hate 
Like and the worst of them is Shashevsky, the, the Duke coach, and he's finally retiring. Good, good lord. I don't give a shit about yeah. the college basketball, but I really want to see him fail because he's just a oily prick. He's just the worst. He's, he's got to be icon for the worst kind of college coach. Same. All about him, basically. Yeah, March at the uh, the worst time of NBA Twitter, it, it that's for sure, because it's impossible. To cl- <laughs> it's impossible to keep your timeline clean and actually... Yeah. And that's the thing, right? Like, normally March is a dead period in the NBA... Because but I think you, it's you only know, a dead period because people get home. distracted by the fucking college basketball. I mean, as we've just said, every day there are going to be mm. multiple games that are really important from here on in to the rest of the to the end of the yep. you know until um, second week in April when it when the the play in begins. Yeah, yeah. There's some good ones. Nuggets play the Timberwolves at the start of April. Yeah, Nuggets like, have been a be bit a really really big game. Nuggets have been doing a little bit of Chicago think- style um, fading down the stretch, unfortunately. I feel they're like like a Tibbs team, but by circumstance, not by design. Like they're so thin that they have to play, you know, Gordon and and Jokic and those guys huge minutes. Yeah, I don't it, think it Jamal Murray's coming back, back either. I think that was one of the other um, no one of the other likely non-returners. Yeah, they re- they really put the. They really put the clamps down on that news. I was really happy to see Malone got another contract, though, because I, I reckon he's... Oh, he should. He's, Absolutely um, should. Yeah, but I, I, I think he's sort of an underrated coach. But I, I said to um, uh, to Matt Moore, you know, it's it's good to see him get rewarded. I don't... Because, like, he cops a lot of grief from their sort of fan base, you so know. He cops a lot of grief like, from oh, Matt Moore because Matt Moore can't shut the fuck up. Just a comp- <laughs> Matt Moore is hard, <laughs> well, hardwood paroxysm. He tweets endlessly and perennially... Um, and he's Denver based, so with no shortage of opinions. Yeah, but he he was saying he was saying about Malone that that one of the things that he has like a, a great deal of quiet admiration in coaching circles around the league for is that he goes away and basically assesses his like his coaching weak points and does the sort of NBA player thing of you know working on his weaknesses in the off season, whether it's watching film or talking to other coaches and trying to figure out stuff where he's not as good so that and it's it's like it's not stuff that's super noticeable but you know if he's been really shit coming out of timeouts in in a particular situation you'll he said you'll notice that the next year that he will have fixed that up to a degree so um like when you when you're in a market like the nuggets you need a coach like that you you know you can't just blow blow them away with firepower no you're not going to get that you're not going to get the cattle for that no and it, you just have a great deal of sympathy for anyone that's ever played, coached, or been an executive for the Kings. You just sort of like, I hope you do well in your next job, just for some karma. Well, McNair's doing an okay job, I thought. You know, building teams and stuff. I mean, they, they did a decent job. Yeah. It's not going to matter, but they did a decent job with the Sabonis trade. Um, yeah. Especially because they won the Sabonis trade because they played the Pacers and beat them. So, yep. not really the most indicative example. <laughs> how basketball works. Uh, I did like it. I remember who it was, but somebody said that um, the reason Jimmy Butler was so pissed off uh, when they lost in that Heat game when they were losing to the clayless, stephless, drayless um, Warriors is that for once somebody else took the third stringers and beat the f- the first stringers, and unfortunately he wasn't <laughs> on that team. Jordan Poole, that it it almost seems unfair that the Warriors have unearthed Jordan Poole, <laughs> like. But they had he's, lots of shots and that sort of stuff. Young. And you remember Damian Lee mm. and and McCaw, yeah, that's true. and they, they've had lots of you know. There's been lots yeah. of other kind of guys uh, uh, available. And I mean, 
and Jordan Poole's rise has corresponded with Andrew Wiggins falling off a fucking cliff in terms of his yeah, play. Since All Star, he's been stinky toilet. Um, yeah, uh, it's almost like All Star did him no favors at all. No, there was the uh, he's he's a, he's a fragile boy, and I think you know that level of t- attention has definitely probably gone to his head. I would have thought. And the fact that, yeah. you know, they've Dre, Steph, and Clay have played 11 minutes together total since yeah. before the pandemic. Yeah, they just, they just seem snake bit. Uh, yeah, the, although, um, I mean, their, their luck has definitely, definitely run out. Uh, I, I was thinking about some um, narratives that haven't gone that well in cricket. So, you know, in the first, in the first test when Pakistan were getting 11 billion runs and everyone was making jokes about, and not even jokey, some of the journalists. Oh, I know what you're going to say, and they weren't jokes. It was like, this wouldn't happen under Justin Langer. Under Justin Langer. And it's like... No, Justin Langer wouldn't have done this. We wouldn't have bowled for that long. You know, we, we would have yeah. declared earlier or we could have declared later or we would have done... It wouldn't matter what the game situation was. It wouldn't have happened under Justin Langer. Yeah. yeah. And the fact Justin that Justin Langer they, wasn't around and they won the fucking test series. Yeah, well, the thing is, right, those sort of tours, to me, like from the outside looking in, seem like this absolute war of attrition. And I'm not just talking about the games and the days and the heat and the flatness of the pitches, but like just this cumulative effect. And if you go back through history of the three test series in India and Pakistan and Sri Lanka, a lot of the times it's a draw and two losses or two draws and a loss. Like eventually yes. the Australians just, just get sick of it all yeah. and crumble. And yeah, Cummins. And it might, it's often a, it's often not close in the final. No, and Cummins just seemed to hold them together and say, "Just keep grinding away, grinding away." Like they just never, even when they like they did not field well in any in any of these games. They dropped a shitload of catches and they no Smudge seemed to be on a one man mission to make sure that everyone said this wouldn't have happened under Justin Langer. It was it was very odd, um, but wasn't it appropriate that it was it was Cummins with an Fucking unplayable full ball, mm. Yorker, that that just completely that took the last Pakistan wicket out, and he was he was man of the match. Um, yeah. Extremely, extremely well earned, and, and did likewise Kawaja's man of the series. Um, but but even even the in the first even in the first innings, it looked like Pakistan were going to do exactly the same thing they'd done the game before, and Cummins just like that drive was yeah. like uh, had four written all over it. There was zero, like. Zero to two percent chance that you would a get your hand to it, b actually get it to stick, and you just plucked it out of the air, and that completely changed that yeah. game. Like once they took that, it changed, it changed the momentum of that innings because the, Pakistan looked looked so sad, yeah. and the first half of the day that abs- they absolutely had it covered, and then they then they didn't die in the ass, but they certainly they certainly got caught uh, yeah. in the second half of that day, yeah. and that's pretty much where they, today's you know the overnight's test match was. Yeah, right? um, even though. Very large chunks of the, those games were boring. There was some compelling bits, and uh, watching uh, the Pakistani captain bat is just—I um, <laughs> don't know—he he just looks. He, it was him and Kawaja were just great to watch because they just never looked like they ever would lose control. Like they, they just—it no. looked like you would have to go down and get that little hammer that. Um, Pat Cummins tried I to did pitch enjoy that. Oh, mate, just wailing on the pitch with, with with the hammer. I'm like, he really doesn't like this pitch, does he? Yeah, maybe get some frustration not, out. Not um, his favourite, yeah. Uh, so. Uzi ended up averaging 165 and a half for that test series. Yeah. 
And, and, and like the, you tweeted, uh, remember when we couldn't have him in the team because Marcus Harris needed to be kept there for reasons? Yeah. That was, and that was the other narrative I was going to say is age really badly. Like, uh, there, there was serious sort of discussion about, well, you can't drop Marcus Harris for Aussie, you know. Um, he, he'll be out after that, you know, he played that test, got a century. Oh, no, he, he'll be back out on the outer. It's like, are you guys fucking nuts, man? He's probably the most informed batsman in Australia, in the test side yeah. or out of the test side. Maybe you should give him a bit of a run. Oh, look what happens when Why you do. Why is Marcus Harris a made man? I mean, he's never done anything. I mean, if it was Davey Warner, I'd understand. I mean, Davey Warner's not in the greatest of form, but he's still, you yeah. know, he'd probably keep his job. I did enjoy the the absolute gulliver that um, Shaheen put on him, you know, because mm. he's just so much taller. It was just amazing. Yeah. Uh, I did there, that. There, and, was, and just, there was some um, fantastic. And he kind of champed him with the handshake and all the rest of it. That was glorious. Those two seem to to really enjoy the um, uh, the bit of the the, the contest and like the, this is the other thing, right? Is since Langer's gone, there seems to this is what the IPL does, though. This is this is what yeah, that's know, true. These guys, they are co-workers more than they're more often than they are enemies. See, the funny thing is, like. You would get old players go, ah, oh, you know, all this friendliness wouldn't happen in my day, and then that's bullshit. You go back and read all their books, and they're and they're like, yeah, well, you know, as soon as the game's over, or even days plays over, oh, grab some beers and go down to the <laughs> go down to the dressing room and talk shit about cricket, and it's uh, absolute, like, it's absolute shit. The, the 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 in my day we wouldn't have done this. You, they did. That was, if you read yeah. any of those fucking Chapelli books, that you know, full of anecdotes about the early days of, of World Series cricket. They were in and out of each other's pockets all the fucking time. They lived with each other essentially. Um, but I have to say, I'm I'm a lot. Uh, I've, I've sort of discovered my love for the Australian Test side again. Uh, you know, with Langer gone, and you know Cummins is really stamping his uh, his imprint on this side. It seems. Yep. I, I guess too. The other thing is that the fact that they've put McDonald in, who is obviously a uh, like a managerial type coach rather than a top down sort of coach. You know, he's there to work with Cummins, not the other way around. No, um, he's, he's not there to, to to fucking stamp his. You know, he's not a Mike Shusevsky. He's not. He's not putting his system down in front of. Him. Yeah, that's right. So now, look, we might go and get absolutely spanked in India, and and Davey Warner might start champing everyone again, and and my dislike for the Australian Test title come back, but. Like this was easily a, a, a series that could have gone a bit pear shaped in and a bit bit chirpy and yeah, um, you know that they seemed it seemed to be played in a really good spirit. Look, I think I think Pakistan's probably a more difficult place to play than India because India at least is known to everybody yeah. involved. Like everyone plays so much, and it was the first time any of those people have played a, a cricket game in. Lahore, Karachi, or Rawalpindi, <laughs> apart from the guy who's from there. Uh, t- to be fair, though, there was a guy on the Pakistan side that had played 96 tests or something, and that was his first game there, too. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the other thing. It was just it was just nice that they were able to fucking do it because it was clear that the crowd was just so glad because the New Zealand thing fell over because, you know, they got a, you know, they got a terrorist threat on the on the eve and they were like, yeah, we probably shouldn't be here. Um 
but they it was it was they were so appreciative that, that somebody turned up and it happened to be somebody who uh, you know, one of the big three nations, and it was, it was just lovely. It was really nice that they um, that they stuck. Well, out. that was the other thing, right? Is Pakistan and no pushovers. They're a good side. I Not was at home. No. About it. Even even on those Dubai yeah. and Sharjah decks, they were uh, yeah. you know unbeatable. If they had what what they really need is a line like what, cocaine. Uh, there was a really good point made about how Cummins Cummins had used Stark where he'd bowl Stark for like two overs, and if the ball wasn't reversing, you'd take him back off and basically go. Here you go, Nathan. Bowl another twelve overs, you know, yeah. in a row. Fuck the ball up for me, and we'll come back to that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then we'll, I'll give Stark another go, and then I'll give. Uh, I mean, he often would just point at Marnus and say, "You have a bowl." And Marnus is like, yeah. "But why?" <laughs> Marnus tried to bowl pace in the first test. Maybe he thought like, that would oh, fuck the ball up more. No, no, I think it was that the ball was reversing and they're like, well, anyone that can swing the ball. And he's like, oh, I can give you a pretty good Adam Dale impression if that's what you need. <laughs> Just give me a fucking go. Uh, Marnus is a very special boy. He's an, in- he's an interesting individual. I mean, between that and that, that pitchy event, that kind of fake turning full of nail clippings, um, pitchy invented, he's, a, he's an interesting boy, that one. He's a very interesting yeah. boy. I think too that the fact that you know Smith is not the world beater that he was. No, Marnus is real. Marnus is really good, but he's not infallible. But like, I think the fact that this Australian side is just not quite as um, like world crushing, full of absolute out and out. Yeah, And, and even like you know Pat was saying, you know, poor old line. You know, Warren had Ponting and Mark War and Mark Taylor. Catching yep. for him, so literally anything that came anywhere near a hand was always taken. And Lyon just watched catch after catch after catch get dropped. And he's like, "You know, can I please just have one solid slips catcher?" Or, or you know, um, being human I, and fallible makes them a lot more charming. That's certainly true. Yeah, um, that's true. Which is, you know, one of the great challenges of, of supporting that that Steve War side was that. Mm. You had to keep remembering back to when the West Indies would towel us up every fucking game to go. Yeah. No, no, this is okay. We can win. We can we can destroy all these teams because it was done to us. But that kind of wore off sometime around the late nineties. Yeah, it's fun for a couple of years, but not forever. No, no, it's no fun at all. It stops being. And there's so many other things that you can pay attention to. You don't. You don't need to watch it. Mm. I was um, thinking about Will Pukowski. Now, Will mm. Pukowski really wants to go back and play cricket. And he's had something like 11 concussions through being hit in the head either by cricket balls or I think the most recent one was he got hit by a fucking Volleyball, soccer ball when they were playing, doing a bit of pre, pre-game fiddling about. So he's clearly got a soft head that, that, you know, his bell gets rung pretty easily. But he went to some medical tribunal and they ruled that some of those concussions weren't really concussions. They were just subconcussive migraines or something along those lines so that he could actually go back to playing cricket. And I wonder about... What I wonder about is the duty of care for a sport that is also an employer to protect people from themselves if the thing that's making the workplace unsafe is themselves. It's not like, I mean, cricket, there are risks in cricket. You can get hit in the head, obviously. You know, Phil Hughes. But that's not, it's not part of the job. It's not like being a fucking uh, a clearance diver or something where everything in the job is difficult or, you know, being a minor or, say, in a sporting context, NFL football. The, the concussive hits are the game. They're the point of the game. They're not an accident that sometimes happens by mistake. They're, they are the game. 
So it's, you know, obviously that's a different sort of kettle of fish, but um, why can't we stop Will Bukowski from playing cricket? Because he's bad at not getting hit in the head. And I've got a horrible feeling that this is going to end with him in a really bad way. The other thing that makes me, that I think about, um, and this is, this is, this might seem like a really, really broad fucking, I might might dislocate a shoulder trying to to draw this bow. But Mark Marquez, the multiple MotoGP world champion, somewhere in the last couple of years, uh, stopped being quite so good at crashing. He kind of invented a new way to ride bikes. In that most, you know, in the, in the 80s, the, the Wayne Gardens, your McDoons, the Americans, they would all slide the rear and they would basically steer the bike by sliding the rear, these these 500cc two-strokes, amazing bikes. Mark has, has advanced to the level where he slides the front and he can he can basically slide the front tyre and if it, if it goes, he can catch it on his elbow. Very dangerous. Astonishingly dangerous, ridiculous. And what it means is he has a lot of low side crashes in practice and things like that. And I always thought, you know, one day this will catch up with him. And finally, over the last couple of years, it has. And he had a, had a really bad accident a couple of years ago. Um, and he got a, a concussive brain injury and detached optic nerve. And that got cleared up. Uh, but then he had another crash and it came back. And he had some surgery and, he's got, and he got fixed and that was okay. And it's happened again. And it's kind of the same sort of thing is that this is not, this is not the point of the sport. This is a risk in which the, somebody who was extremely good at their sport but is but does it in an extremely reckless way and is constantly putting themselves at danger. Whose responsibility is it is it to stop them from doing that? And is it anybody's? Are we just going to watch these people destroy their 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 long term health prospects because they they can't be held back from an opportunity to compete? So, like even the NFL, right? The NFL, like even in the time we've been doing this podcast, has had changes in the way that they deal with this stuff. Like once upon a time, they just used to just run the people back out. You know, they had yeah. a a very you know, slap of paint over the top of it, yeah. concussion policy, and you know, basically, if the player wanted to go back out, they let him go back out. And, yeah. and, and, and the telecast used that, to have used to highlight big hits and say, "This guy got jacked up," and now they don't yeah. do that sort of shit. They don't. They don't celebrate big hits anymore. And, and you know, getting hit in the head is an automatic penalty, whereas back, you know, you know, leading with the helmet is an automatic penalty, whereas in the past it was, you know, it was fine. So they've, they've changed the rules to try and stop. The big concussive hits. Now, the sub-concussive hits are the ones that are also contributing to, to CTE. But um, but as I say, that's kind of – that's a baked-in risk in the game. You know that's going to happen to you. It's a little bit like joining the army. You're going to but, get but what I'm, Yeah, but what I'm saying is if the NFL could at least clean it up to the point where they're like when someone's done damage to themselves, they're not going to let them go back out and do damage immediately again. Like this is the thing I feel with the – the Picosity stuff is other sports have had this problem and learnt from it and cricket just yeah. seems determined to go, oh, this is just an isolated person, an isolated situation. Do you really want to find out down the track that there's more people that are having this problem and you're just so, I don't know, determined to make this kid the next big thing that you're willing to you know, keep putting him into harm's way. Like, I realise that the, the guy wants to play. Yeah. But I just, it, it really he, makes, he's almost, you know. He he and Marquez both kind of need to be helped, you know, saved from themselves because they're not going yeah. to stop it. Unless they physically can't do it, they're not going to not do it. Mm. 
And uh, that next bouncer that, that fells him could be the one that, that puts him in a wheelchair or puts him underground. Uh, and the same with and the like, same with um the same with with Marquez the next crash he has you know he's he's constantly got this double vision that kind of comes and goes because he has I mean that turns up in a bike race first lap twenty six riders on the grid yeah you know, there could be there could be a lot yeah. of fucking people getting carried out in boxes the the thing that really worries me um like I think about Sean Abbott quite a bit right and the fact that. The amount of yeah, work I do that, too. I, I, oh fuck, man. That that that, that, that other players and do I have to explain and, what why it's Sean Abbott is a yeah probably probably Sean Abbott bowled the ball that that killed um, Phil Hughes, and of course he copped a lot of heat because he'd apparently been sledging. I mean they were ex teammates because Phil Hughes was a New South Wales player who moved to, to South Australia, so Sean Abbott was giving him a bit of gob because he's a fast bowler. It's what you do, uh, and then he bowled the ball that just happened to hit him in the back of the neck and and fucked up his um. It was carotid artery. Was it? It was that artery in the back of the neck, wasn't it? Just, just runs yeah, around the back of the yeah. head, and basically just kind of, you know, brain embolism. Good night. Um, so, and I, but I, I think about that guy a lot because I'm like, I don't know how you can continue to do that job. I don't know how you continue to bowl bouncers. You just, but then again, I'm not a hyper competitive sports arsehole. I don't know how you. I, I've probably got far too <laughs> advanced a sense of empathy for fellow human beings. To be yeah. to be able to to do that well, sort of I, shit. I, I don't. From what I've read, I don't think he just went out and went. Oh shit! You know, time to bowl fast again and bowl bouncers. I think it took him a long time before yeah. he could bowl like a short ball at pay. And like that dude, he's he's seriously quick. Like he's not slow. Yeah. Um, and he's and he's a good. And he's still you know one of New South Wales best best quicks who don't. Given that all of New South Wales best quicks go and play for Australia, he's he's certainly the ne- the best of the next yeah. generation, the next level, and. He's been part of every one of those sixes, um, title winning sides. So he's very good at bowling T20 bounces, which need to be extremely well targeted. So he's got extremely good control. So, so he hasn't sort of gone away from that. Like if you're a fast bowler lining up to Pukosfi in a, in a shield final, knowing everything that you know, um, do you want to bowl short to him? I don't know whether I would. I don't know whether I would. You know, want- he can't play the fucking short ball. That's the problem. You, your bowling plan is this guy can't play the yeah. short ball. It's it's but, red but ball you would cricket. also go into the game knowing that you might you might actually do him seriously life yeah. life changing. Like so, I understand his personal you know want to um, want to play, but it's also not not really fair on the people that you're playing against. It's, it's not the, fair on your teammates. A, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, um, and I. I I don't know what you do with that, but I think it's an interesting thing to think about, and that's kind of why I wanted to bring it up. I mean, mm. yeah, I, d- I don't know, I don't know, but I feel like one of the uh, one of the, the sad things is that he was he was on a few of those uh, Channel Seven T Twenty uh, Big Bash League games as, as a commentator, as you know, and he was extremely good. He could definitely yeah. have a career in in the media. He's charming and insightful, yeah. and uh, and all those things. And you know, given given his story, if he did have to retire from cricket because of, of head knocks, I'm sure that would also be you know something that, that played well in the media. Yeah, but he um, oh, and and I and I'm absolutely sure that Australian cricket would find him a job in coaching or administration or whatever. Sure. That like he would not be lost to the game. But sure. his reply would be, I don't want to do no. any of those things. I want to play, <laughs> or learn to play the fucking short ball. Sway like out even- of the fucking way. Why are we doing this? Why can't you stop getting hit in the head? I mean, admittedly, the most recent one, he got hit with a fucking soccer ball or a volleyball or something. I was like, yeah. 
okay, at that stage, that tends to tell you that you have a massive amount of cumulative injury because that's the yeah. problem is, is it's not the concussion. It's the concussion you get while you're still concussed because then yeah. it, you know, because that, that can really fuck you up because you're already in a, a kind of an inflammation response and inflammation in the brain is very bad, very, very bad. Yeah. Um, and it's that, it's that kind of thing. So clearly he is super sensitized to, to brain injury. So, man, I don't have any solutions, but um, and like I can understand the wanting to. to it's an important conversation. I'm glad we're having to, to play thing because like even even Curtis because the the twins started their um, football before Curtis's because they're playing for different clubs this year, and so Curtis came along and helped me and and was the you know assistant coach and was fully into it like you know shouting out advice of stuff that he'd learned playing in a couple of years up and. And knowing the mistakes he made when he first started playing, because I think eight of because they all just follow the ball around like a fucking herd. Yeah, like a, and, and a lot of these Swarm. kids, it's, it's their first, it's their first season, you know. Yeah. Um. And so I was like, it back in the car, and I was like, uh, "Congratulations on your um coaching debut. Did you enjoy it?" He's like, "Yeah, it's okay. Can I go back and play now?" <laughs> He's like, you know, and like he he obviously enjoyed doing it, but it's like it was okay, but. He just was like itching to just jump out on. I know, the but that's the that, the reason that all those kids run around following the ball is that all you want to do is have the ball. Yeah, the whole point of the and you never forget that when you're a kid, all you want is the ball. In cricket, you just want to bowl or bat. Being a fielder sucks. Yeah. In soccer, you just want yeah. to be able to kick. You want the ball. You want to kick the ball. You want to, you want to be close to where the ball is because standing around watching other mm. people play with the ball sucks. I, I did have this one kid who I don't think broke into a jog the whole three training sessions. Um, ah, Leo Messi. Yeah, like, like just, I was like, oh man, this this kid's going to be a struggle. Like, you know, I, I just really feel for him because I think he's just going to get get left behind as that pack moves around the field. And oh my god, <laughs> talk about white line fever. He was puffed in about the first thirty seconds, and he did not stop running. He just went at the ball and went at the ball and went at the ball, and didn't matter if a kid was taller than him. He just kept going. I was like, "Holy shit, this kid's got it." Uh, yeah, he can not, be a, he not can not, play not athletically. No, not, not athletically, but he definitely he definitely has it in in, in between yeah. the ears. That's for sure. He has the one two. So, yeah, he's your sort of player. He can play yeah, defensive yeah, mid. You can play in the in the center of that pack that moves around like bait fish. Um, a couple more things uh, might be interesting to talk about. Um, hmm. So. According to my timeline, uh, a bloke called Buddy kicked a thousand goals last night, or something like that. Mm. Sure, I didn't see much about yeah. it. I mean, it was a short night. I mean, I can't imagine how he managed to kick a thousand goals. But uh, um, all jokes aside, Buddy Franklin's kicked his thousandth goal, and uh, I actually was surprised by how many of them were for Sydney. I kind of had it in my mind that he was still. It still only yeah, just come right. to the Swans, but no, he spent Hawthorne. half his fucking career yeah. at the Swans at this stage. Um, hasn't scored half his goals for this one. I was going to say it would be more than half, wouldn't it? Uh, it's not quite. I think it was um, 05 to 13 at Hawthorne mm. and then the 14 to now um, uh, at, at, at the Swanages. But, I mean, I suppose everyone's sort of saying, you know, this is such a big thing because it'll never happen again. I guess that's that's the kind of consequence of there just not being those um, single spearhead 
hundred goal a season uh, full forwards anymore. They just they just don't exist anymore the way they used to. They used to in, in particularly in the eighties when there was like Warwick Capper and fucking Plugger and and you know all those sorts of you know large men with with large hair um, pouncing about in the, in the goal square. Well, I do wonder whether that's a, a speed of the game thing. Like, yeah. um, it's a bit like, like the, the death when, of the of the of the number nine in in world football. Like, you don't get these you know, thirty or forty goal a, goal a season soccer players anymore because the game doesn't play isn't played like that anymore. You don't knock it up to the big no. lad up front. That's just not how the game's played. And in fact, if you're playing for Italy, you knock it up to the, the guy up front, and he doesn't fucking do a fucking thing, and they don't go to the fucking World Cup. Ah! Sorry. <laughs> Who are you? Fucking Chiro Immobile, you wanker! If, uh, <laughs> Sorry, I'm, if there's I'm no Italy it. and no Australia. <laughs> it's you, it's a to, shit World Cup anyway. It's fucking Qatar. Qatar. Who, would, who would want to spend time in the Middle East? I mean, literally, the Formula One are in Saudi Arabia for reasons best known to themselves, mostly involving money. And overnight, in between free practice one and two, the fucking, the, the rebels who had never been mentioned in the brochure before now, fired a fucking missile into the oil refinery down the road from the circuit. And they're having oh, to do free really? practice too with, with this burning oil refinery down the road. And funnily enough, they're not feeling well. too confident about this, about thing being, being there. But of course, the sounds have said, no, don't worry about it. No, no, this happens, this happens all the time. Don't worry about it. Um, they're, they're, they only attack commercial targets, and, uh, and you know I'm sure they're not going to be interested. Could you find a bigger commercial target than a fucking Formula One Grand Prix? <laughs> I'm not quite sure how this was meant to be lovely, reassuring. Make for some lovely sunset photos, though. It would boil a yeah. oil refinery in the background. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, people don't score, kick as many goals as they used to. It's the end of my thesis. Very good. All right, Doc. Have you any other sporting takes before we do some tunes? I think that's me. We're not going to talk. That's you? Yeah, I've got nothing else. Oh, it's been lovely chatting to you. We just wait for this um, kitty basketball to be over and then we'll get back to the real stuff. Back to the grown-ups. Hand it back. <laughs> All right, catch you, dog. Cheers, man. Gaddy has absolutely no idea what has happened to it. Still doesn't know. Are we running a big delay here, or are we just talking over each other? Uh, no, I, uh, I'm not getting any delay out of you, but you might be getting delay out of me. It's that daylight savings time. It's the you're, you're very yeah, slightly right. it's, the, it's the curtains and everything. How are you, Doc? I'm I'm pretty cooked, but I'm here. Like a Pakistani pitch. Well, big development this week was my folks' uh, book flights to be over for Easter. Oh, very nice. Which is, you know, if, if, as long as they don't get COVID in the interim and, you know, there aren't any floods that cut them off from airport and there are no other for, unforeseen circumstances, we won't actually get to see them, which would be lovely. Fires. There's fires, floods. It's, bit, it's a bit late. It, it's a bit late for cyclones, but, you know. Yes. Who can tell these days? It's never never too, never too late. I never may... too late for a fucking well, state of emergency when, when ScoMo... Decides not to hold an election. What's that? What's that crap that the fucking drips go on about? The idea that Scomo will just not hold an election. No, oh, yeah. eventually be a coup. It's like what fucking? That, that's almost as, as as insane a take as as that Korea Mail guy saying we need to invade the Solomon Islands because they're oh. too friendly with China. It's like what? That's that's like being at primary oh, like- school and saying because you're you're. 
you used to be my friend, but because you're better friends with that guy, I'm going to bash you up. It's like, no, that's not how that's not how friendship works, and that's not how international diplomacy works. Um, I realise that we've done 600 episodes of essentially just opinions. I, d- I doubt there's been too many facts in those 600 episodes. But do newspapers really need columnists? <laughs> I'm not sure that they do. No, not in the era of Twitter and, and social media. Although, yeah. ironically, that's probably the thing that gets the most attention on social media is the shit takes. And they just yeah. write shit takes to, for shit takes. I mean, that's the reason they need these people are employed. It's just for engagement on, on the socials. Yeah. The fact that it's all negative engagement doesn't really fucking matter. Not us. We're all about the positive engagement these days. What, like a rugby scrum? I believe they still play that. So, yeah, that's quite a, that's a quite apt description considering how many resets we have to yeah. do. Um, <laughs> the problem is, we, is, it, is it touch, pause, engage or touch, pause, set? I, I don't know how it even goes anymore. Engage. And at the end of the day, we just end up with the podcasting equivalent of Ben Darwin's neck. Too soon? The 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 the, uh, the balls podcast, the rugby scrum reset of podcasts. I thought we were the uh, the craft beer testing flight of podcasts. Well, no, that was a, a, the double overtime summer league game of podcasts. I thought that was the best one because oh, that's right. That was that was one that we had a while ago, and I, I feel like that one's pretty solid.